Hello and welcome to Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and this week I have something a little bit different for you. I have a very close friend who has been at the front of this COVID pandemic. She is a nurse, um, no underlying health conditions, 28 years old, um, and a couple of months back she contracted COVID and I wanted to chat to her about what happened, what it was like and what it's like now. I'm going to keep her anonymous because she's being so generous with her information and her insight. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so do you want to tell me what, like how how you got it or what? No, OK, let's start at the start. When did you notice COVID sort of changing how the hospitals were operating or how your work was being infected? Well, in March, end of March, beginning of April in our hospital, things started to change. New policies and procedures started to come in for us to prepare for if we do get a COVID case or a possible COVID case. So you were working in a private hospital, right? So did you think that because you were in a private hospital, you might not have... Like, do you think that you saw cases? Oh, 100%. But the plan initially was with the private sector that we were meant to take the elective surgeries that needed to go ahead, bowel cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, surgery that couldn't be held off because of COVID. That was the public's or the private's role during COVID. So you were kind of almost trying to keep the hospital COVID over. free. 100%, yeah. And then let the public hospitals deal with the COVID and you would take their patients and keep going as normal. Yes, exactly. But that wasn't the case. And how did it not become the case? Oh, we started getting people coming in with generalised abdominal pain, constant headaches, but actually once we'd done the COVID swabs, they had the swab, but they had COVID. Okay, so, so they were just presenting with like non-COVID related symptoms as we knew them. Yep. But then on what were like COVID tests or kind of x-rays or what? COVID tests. Right. So we would do the COVID tests and they would come back within a couple of days and then actually, yes, they had COVID. And, and because they were with us then at that time, you couldn't send them off somewhere else. You know, we had a duty of care to look after them. Were we expected to put them in an ambulance and send them somewhere else? No. If they were fairly okay and they were healthy apart from the COVID, we would treat them. And a lot of the time we sent them home and they recovered no problems from the COVID. And do you, when, when someone came in with like abdominal pains, did you treat them? Because we were hearing like, it's just if you have a cough, a dry cough or these specific symptoms. But if someone came in with a, with a pain in their stomach, were you treating them as if they had COVID? No. Not at the beginning, but okay. as we got more used to it, then we started bringing in the surgical masks that we had to wear for every patient. If we were going to any patient, we had to wear a normal apron and some gloves. If it was query a COVID patient, it was the full PPE, the FFP2 stronger masks, the proper gowns and your visors. Did you notice um, those being in short supply at any point? Oh, yes. Nearly every second week we were having delays. We were delayed going in to see the patients because we didn't have the PPE. Sometimes like our visors and our goggles were in circulation for months. I was expected to wear your goggles. I just gave it a quick wipe with an alcohol wipe and off I went, which the nurses were not impressed with, but they said they couldn't give us one each. Okay, so you'd have, like, say we're both on together, I'd give you mine and you just wipe it down with spray. Yeah, a wow. wipe. Okay. Which was... Absolutely ludicrous at the time. Like you could have been in with a COVID patient and I just had to take a routine swab from somebody who was query COVID. But I put on the goggles knowing that you were in the COVID room with just a quick wipe. And plus it's not hygienic me wearing yours. You could have any sort of eye infection or anything. 
and I'm still expected to wear your visor or your goggles. So that was that sort of stuff was going on for months from April. And at what point did you so talk me through how you came to be diagnosed with it? Were you working? Did you have symptoms or how did it start? So there was a bit of an outbreak on the ward back at the end of May. We were getting a lot of patients transferred from all different hospitals. It was very poorly managed. Um, Patients coming to us with no swab results. Most hospitals, you had to have a swab within two days. Or like if we were sending you out to a nursing home, we had to send a clear swab to the nursing home within the last 48 hours. Right. So we were actually doing that on our wards. We were sending patients to respite. They didn't need the acute hospital setting. They needed somewhere to recover for the few days. Okay. They couldn't go to City West because, you know, if you go to City West, you have to be able to make your own bed. These were elderly people that oh, were City sick. City West is like where they were holding people yes. to isolate. Yeah. Okay. But you had to be fit and healthy and be fully compassmentous and fully mobile to avail of that service. And so if someone wasn't fully mobile or able to make their own bed, they had to go to... A nursing home or a hospice. Yeah, like a respite centre. Right. And we would do our best to get them as close to home as possible so that their families know that they were in a fairly easy distance to get to if needed. Right. So we were swabbing patients that were going out. Patients had no symptoms whatsoever. They were in four bedded units, but they would come back as positive. And then had they already left? No, no, no. No, no, okay. No. So then we would have to isolate them. Right. But we still, like I was looking after that man that was positive and the other three I was looking after were negative. So did I get... But you were the common denominator? More than likely. Okay. Now you constantly had your surgical mask on, but you're helping people with showers, you're helping people eat. It's only a matter of time for it to spread. So at some point you contracted it and how did you become aware... Were you were you as nurses being swapped? Yes, eventually. So we had about five or six patients on the ward that got it. And at the same time, it consul- Sorry, they got it while in the hospital oh, or they came in with it? It's hard to tell. Okay. They were with us a day or two when our results came back and they had it. So it looks like they had it coming to us from a different hospital. Right. In the Midlands. Okay. We won't go there. <laughs> um, so they came in with it. Yeah. You swabbed them. But the, you guys as nurses were also being swabbed? Yes, because we had these four or five patients that had it. They were in mixed with in other rooms with male and female patients. So we were swabbed because the consultant also was positive. Right, okay. Out of nowhere. Again, I don't think he had any symptoms. Okay. The same man wasn't a lover of masks. Right, okay. Um, so he was constantly... <laughs> nice at, way of putting it. <laughs> he was at the nurse's station chatting to us, going through everything as normal, but we had masks on. Let's say he didn't have masks on. Okay. Um, so we were all... We all got a phone call to say your due your swab at whatever time. So that was on site at the hospital where we got swabbed. It was only a two minute swab. It wasn't, well, it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't Painful. pain as yeah, such. Yeah. I had a swab as well and it's yes. so uncomfortable up the back of your nose and your tongue. You had a watery like, eye. Yeah, and I coughed into the face of the nurse who gave it to me. But anyway, <laughs> I apologise. But then fine. when it was over, it was over. Um, the, our swabs were sent out. To be tested. Yeah. yeah. Where a lot of the patients that were with us in the hospitals, we done them on site to have them turned around quicker to know okay. exactly if the patients had it or not. So prioritising the, the speed for the patients but, yeah, rather than yourself. 100%, okay. which made complete sense. But I was swabbed on the Thursday. I continued to work as normal on that Thursday. I was caring for four COVID patients, three lovely men and a lovely woman. I had no symptoms whatsoever. Um, I felt 100% fine, as did all my patients at the time with COVID. Right. 
But they all knew they had it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And their families knew when the doctors were on the phone constantly, so on and so forth, keeping everybody updated. On the Friday, I remember I was going into my patient, going to get him ready for his morning shower. And my the assistant director of nursing wanted to speak to me in the office. So then, sure, it clicked. She would never want to speak to you in the office unless you'd done something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I definitely have it then. So, so she's like, yes. Have you any idea where you could have got it? <laughs> well, definitely work anyway, because I was doing nothing. I was going to work, from work. F- this from is the height of the lockdown as well, yeah, wasn't this it? Was yeah, this was the end of May, the third, last week in May that I had found out I had it. So I handed over my patients. I went home. I was Still feeling totally fine. 100% fine. I rang himself just to let him know that I came back positive. He thought... Himself being your husband. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. No, no, we didn't think at all. But yeah. at the same time, we knew it was a possibility. Sure, it's my job. It's yeah. only a matter of time before you do pick up something. Sure, it's like you look after a patient with the shingles. You could get the shingles. Mm-hmm. You could get the influenza flu. Yeah. You know, it's just job that we chose to do. Occupational hazard, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So you just have to get on with it. So I went home and everything was fine. A few of my other colleagues, we have a little group and they were coming back. Were you the only one of the nurses that was positive? Oh no, there was at least four, if not five. During that sweep? Yeah, in in that like week. Right, okay. Between nurses and healthcare assistants. Right. There was about five on my unit that got it. And we were all sent off. So yes, we were short. At the time then we were, we had our patients, but we weren't accepting any more patients onto our ward okay. because it needed to be deep cleaned. So everybody, as the patients went home, as they went to respite, as they sadly passed away, the beds weren't filled. Right. Um, Did you have many people pass away oh from yeah, it? Yeah. Um, what was the well, story we had, the family? We had many people pass away. Some were COVID and some were just end of life cancer patients. Right. Now, yeah. where I lived were fantastic. You know, if you had a patient that we knew was ending their life, your family was allowed in. We had everybody in their own side rooms with their own en-suites. Okay. You know, you need to have a heart. Could you imagine your mother, brother, sister dying by themselves with a random nurse holding their hand? Which a lot of people have to do. Yeah, which I couldn't, I couldn't think of my family doing that. So thank God where I worked, you were allowed in, you were only allowed into that room. There was the 15 minute rule. Yeah. Um, but some of them got to stay that bit longer, especially when you knew it was really close. Yeah. You know, you have to have common sense and a heart. And I think that's nice because you would always be asking yourself, was my mom or dad looked after? Mm-hmm. Did they, were they pain free? Were they struggling to breathe? Many of the COVID patients weren't struggling. It was just like, they just kind of dwindled. They were pain free. Like faded. Yeah, which was crazy to look at because you know I'm a bit naive and I always think that people are going to make it you hope that they're going to make a recovery yeah the four patients that had COVID when I was looking after them on the Thursday and Friday that I got diagnosed two of them passed away the following Tuesday now one of the chaps I was looking after like he was up and about washing himself eating and drinking as normal so he must have taken kind of a turn in those yeah like so swiftly they just went downhill. And thankfully, I was talking to the girls that I work with and their family was there. Well, that's at least some sort of consolation. Oh, yeah, 100%. But back to, I still so had no... You. you had no symptoms, no symptoms. you are gone home now. And are you kind of thinking, grand, of two weeks off? Or well, what, did you, what well, was your feeling? Like, what was, did you need the break? Were you tired? What was going on well, with I was, you? Well, I was a bit stunned. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, how? And then how did I pick it up? 
And where am I in this two weeks? Am I starting my two weeks? Am I in the middle or am I at the end of my two weeks? Oh, yeah, I suppose. Because had you been tested before at no, all? That was the that first. was the first time. Okay. So zero symptoms up until, so I got tested on the Thursday. I was fine Thursday, fine Friday. And it was the Saturday that I started getting temperatures. But then I was like, is it all in my head? Well, yeah, because at this point, you know, you have it. So yes. You, like if it was me, I'd be probably imagining, oh, I definitely have. Cause Am I, I overthinking? Yeah. Yes. Which r- goes through your head. And then your husband is like, oh, my God, nurses are the worst people, worst patients ever. <laughs> um, but I was grand. I took a paracetamol. I got rid of the temperature. I had no shortness of breath. I had no fast heart rate. Yes, I lost my smell and taste completely. Did, when did that happen? Oh, that was like the Sunday. Right. Just in a minute? Or did it like, did you wake up and it was gone or... Yeah, it was like went overnight. I couldn't smell or taste any food. That's so weird. I was on the garlics and I was on the chilies and nothing was cut. Like eating crisps was like eating cardboard. That's so bizarre. And at that point, because that was a symptom that I wasn't aware of until quite late. I remember a couple of people messaging me articles from Europe being like, sense of taste and smell is the first symptom. And I thought they were conspiracy articles, you know. Yes. Well, I have a colleague that went out six weeks before me and she had her only symptom was smell and taste. And she was like, what the heck? She was positive. That was her only symptom ever? At the beginning. Oh, right. Okay. And she just thought she was getting the normal common cold and she lost her smell and taste. But that wasn't the case. Has yours? Okay, I'll get back to how you are now. But okay, so you lose your sense of taste and smell, and you have the temperature on the Sunday. Yeah, but you get rid of it with paracetamol. Yeah, and I felt grand. I I, I was fully function. I was up dressed most mornings, pottering around the house. You know, I didn't want to stick to the couch because I know obviously if you stick to the couch, you'll be at more risk of like getting clots in your legs. Let's say so. Yeah. I was tipping away, doing my hoovering, continuing on as life, but staying within my four walls and in my back garden. Mm-hmm. Thank God I had just moved into a house because I was in a two bedroom apartment. So you had the bit of space for comfort. and Yes. And yeah. I had the garden because if not, if I was in the apartment, I just had literally a room and a kitchen. And it some fresh air through a window. Yeah. So, And so at what point did it get a bit worse? Because I, I do know from being your friend that it did get a bit worse for you. Yes. So I was completely, I was relatively good. I had no shortness of breath. I had no fast heart rate. Everything was fine. I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. I'm looking forward to going back to work. So I was meant to go back. How long were you, sorry, how long were you meant to be off? So when she brought you into the office that day, she's like, okay, so you have it. Come back when? All going to plan 14 days, so the two right. weeks time. Okay. If I was fine. Did you have to do another test? Like, would you have had to do another test at the end of that 14 days? No, they wouldn't retest you because they say it can live in your system for 12 weeks. So then it will be a false positive. positive. But you're no longer contagious. Exactly. Right. So I was just over my two weeks and then the, that, that Sunday, I, about half nine at night time, I went to bed with an awful headache. It was my first day out of the house. I went for a nice walk around our little village and I sat in the car while himself done the food shopping. The husband. That's fine. The food we know now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just about half nine at night time, we were watching telly and I was like, oh, geez, I have an awful headache. Took a couple of paracetamol, went to bed, slept all night long. I never had a problem with sleep. I never had a problem with appetite, even though I couldn't taste anything. Yeah. I continued to work through everything. I woke up the next Monday morning feeling okay. I went down the stairs as normal, but when I got to the end of the stairs, I was completely wiped. Like, like breathless? Or? Yeah, short of breath and my heart. It was like if it was going to jump out through my chest, the pounding of it. Right. I could hear the pounding in my neck and I could see the pounding in my abdomen. It was just going 90. That's really frightening. Yeah, because I wasn't afraid at all the previous two weeks. Yeah. 
because I knew what to expect, but this was new. Which, and how did you, were you like, oh God, I better? Well, once I sat down, everything, and it like, it, I recovered after a minute or two each time. But then when I went, like, let's say I walked from the sitting room to the bathroom, the same thing again. I remember I was beating um, pancakes, I was making pancakes. Yeah. And just the whole, the beating of the pancakes, I had to put her down. I was like, I can't continue this. Just I was That much physical, that little exertion. Yeah, I was like doing nothing and I was pounding and really short of breath. Right. And then my husband was like, oh, actually, I'll give you credit that time. You don't sound yourself. So he knew that I wasn't right either. Right. Kind of thing. So I left it. I, the minute I sat down and stayed on the couch or light in bed, I was fine. And was this the day you were meant to be going back to work? Or yeah. this is the Monday? Yeah, the Monday I should have been going back to work. Oh, so you rang them? You well, I had planned to take an extra week off because I was feeling fairly okay, but I wanted another week just to build up my immunity okay. and just to build up myself again. So take a week of holidays or sick leave or what's... It would have been still sick leave. Okay. Because I hadn't left the house in 14 days. Mm-hmm. How can you... You can't really How can you back. not leave the house and then go straight back into 13, 14 hour shifts? No. You don't know what you're going to be like. Yeah. Um, so I had said... Yeah, and they said no problem at all. Take mm-hmm. as much time as you need. Little did I know I would still be off now. Um, so that Monday was fine. I tried the GP a couple of times. There was no answer. I just done nothing then for the rest of the day. I sat on the couch. I went for a lie down. I sat out in the garden because back then the weather was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. The Tuesday came. There was I was no worse, but I was no better. Yeah, I was still severely short of breath and my heart was pounding. Anytime I, you did anything exerting. Yes. Yeah. Now I had done a yoga class with my colleagues my on, on Zoom. Yeah. And I had to cut out halfway through because I was absolutely wiped. And I have a little uh, oxygen monitor. Yeah. And my oxygen levels are down at 80. What should they be? Now I'm a 28-year-old healthy woman that doesn't smoke. They should be well over 98 to 100. Okay. So after doing like relaxation yoga they were at 80. So does that mean there's just not enough oxygen in your blood? Exactly. Which means you're not breathing efficiently. Yeah, so there was okay. no oxygen getting to my organs. Oh wow. Like I could look at my my nails were gone purple. Oh even wow, okay. So your extremities are getting no yes, blood. Yes, or yeah. my lips were gone slightly a weirder colour than normal. That's very concerning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but then when I sat down I bounced back straight away. It was only on exertion but very little exertion that when I was affected. Okay. If that makes sense. Tuesday rang the GP a couple of times still no answer then I rang work mm-hmm. I, again I just thought that this was the joys of Covid I just want a bit of reassurance yeah. can somebody just check my blood pressure temperature and oxygen levels in a medical place and send me on my merry way yeah. that's what I thought would happen so I rang work and they couldn't do anything they advised me to go to Connolly Hospital right? because they weren't taking any Covids but we took plenty of Covids previous to that okay I did feel slightly let down yeah from my place of work um finally got through to the GP and the GP it was like the secretary let's say so this was at half one in the daytime I was told that the on-call GP would ring me back after five o'clock the on-call GP in Connolly or no your own GP my own GP yes, okay it was like if there's a COVID GP team now Right, okay. Not yes, the normal. Yeah. There's like somebody shipped in to yeah. do all the calls. So at about half six, so I rang the GP at half one and they rang me back at half six. Mm-hmm. And sure, before I even got time to tell them my story and how I was feeling, go to A&E, go to A&E, go to A&E. I was like, well, if I needed A&E, I'd be dead the last five hours waiting for you to ring me back. Yeah, what did he say to that? He didn't say anything. <laughs> so, but at this time I felt fine because I had went to bed and I hadn't 
done anything. Yeah. Um, so Wednesday came. I was still feeling the same. You didn't go to any? No, no not right. not okay. the Tuesday night. He rang me at half six. At where would I be going at half six, seven o'clock to A&E? Yeah. It'd be too late for anything. I'll so just go to bed and see how I am in the morning. Yeah, and hope to God I wake up. Jesus, well, you can't. I nearly said your name there, but you can't be saying <laughs> things like that. You're making me scared. Go on. Well, that's what I felt like at the time. Yeah. Then the Wednesday, I again, I'm sleeping perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel stressed. Sometimes my mother is telling me it's all in my head. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the Wednesday, I got up and everything was normal. I just took my time going downstairs. I took my time getting my breakfast, but I was no better. Oh, actually, I'll take you back. Wednesday morning. Yeah. My husband got up for work at about seven o'clock. Thankfully, he's working from home. He's across in the other bedroom. Yeah. Um, I always roll over and go back to sleep for another few hours. So I went back to sleep. And what I felt like I slept for hours, it was actually only minutes. Okay. And I could feel myself floating up into the sky. Like my body had separated into two. Like this was a dream or it was like you were... Well, it felt 100% real life. So it was like I had an outer body experience. Okay, so part of you floats up. My whole body floated up and I could look at myself looking lovely and peaceful asleep in bed. And as I looked forward, I could just see pure white all in front of me. The per- the version of you that's up in the sky? Yeah. And what, did did the version of you that was in the bed know that there was someone looking at you? Yes. Like I it was, it was so real. That's so freaky. But it wasn't frightening, if that makes sense. So I was that looking... That sounds very frightening. Um, well, I woke up and I was like, Jesus, did that just happen? I had to pull myself out of the bed and get moving. Yeah. I don't know, did I stop breathing for a couple of seconds? Is that possible? But all I know is I was looking up, I was looking down at myself and I was like, wake up, wake up. Oh my God, would you wake up? Okay. Please wake up. Because I've heard, I've listened to a lot of podcasts on COVID and hallucinating is like one of the signs, particularly with young, healthy people. Yes. That they do, like it's sort of a neurological lapse that happens because of the virus. That's so frightening. It was, I wouldn't say it was frightening. Freaky, but you weren't. It was different and it only happened that once. It didn't happen again. And Did you feel like you might, like was the version of you in the clouds thinking, all right, I'm dead? Yeah. I was floating up into, I hope to God, heaven. Right. But there was nobody there. So, you know, how you always pictured the Golden Gate, so on and so forth. Yeah. So I presumed that it wasn't my time. Because there was no... There was nobody there. Or the gates. Nobody to let me in. Right. Even though I felt like I was gone. Oh my God. I felt like I was in heaven. So I got up and I told my husband and he was like, oh, would you go back to bed for another while? <laughs> He's having none of yeah. you, like... <laughs> You'll be grand. Um, so it was on the Wednesday at about half three, I said, look, I'm not getting no better. I don't want to be running off the hospital being an extra burden on them when it is just COVID. Just COVID. It's yeah. a pandemic. Like it's a, yes. a novel virus. But you'd hope that you would get through it and Nurses everything would be fine. never take things seriously. You're always like, Ara, sure, I'll we'll be, be grand. grand. <laughs> okay, so Wednesday comes. Wednesday comes and I'm still humming and hawing. So we decided, yes, that we're going to go in and get seen. So at half... Who's we? You and himself? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So at half three, my husband rings work to take a few hours off to bring me to hospital. Mm-hmm. Now, his work has been fantastic throughout this whole time in looking after the both of us. So they were like, no problem. Take as much time as you need. So we headed off to Tala Hospital. I got out of the car so quick at Tala. I forgot to give him a kiss goodbye. Did you think he was coming in with you? No, no, no. I knew he wasn't coming in with me, but I right. thought I would go in and be out just as quick because they'd say you're fine. 
Oh right, okay. You just so, need to go home and recuperate and look after yourself. So is he like waiting in the car park or something? Yeah, exactly. So he dropped me off right at the front door. I popped into A&E. It was busy enough now. This was the 10th of June. It yeah. was quite busy. But considering my history, like I wasn't waiting more than 10 minutes before I was triaged. Okay. When they uh, brought me in, my heart rate was like 131 and there was some anomalies. What should it be? Oh, well, a healthy person should be like anywhere between like 60 and 80. Right. So that's a very, that's well, like the middle of a cardio workout. Yes, exactly. And yeah. there was some anomalies, some issues on my ECG. So they traced my heart and triage. So and like the heartbeat was irregular or yeah, something? Yeah, it was going a bit haywire for them. So the nurse was looking at me as if to say, oh, you're definitely going to be staying here tonight. <laughs> so she rang like somebody else. And within two minutes, I was moved to a cubicle into the back of A&E. Now, this is my first time ever being a patient in a hospital. Oh, really? Yeah, it's totally different being on the other side. And did you tell them you were a nurse? Yes. Did they treat you differently then? No, they're completely the same. But do they talk in different language? Because you know what's going on. Like She didn't. She asked me where did I contract COVID. Okay. That's how she found out then that I was a nurse. Okay. And then I told her. So she was just asking how's life over there. Yeah. I said, oh, it's wonderful. Same Great. as here. <laughs> um, so they brought me into the back. They done my bloods. The doctor came in and gave me the once over. I told him my story and everything. And it, I still thought at this time that they would say, look, at, this, this is, is COVID. Is. Yeah. You just need to go home, recuperate, look after yourself and rest up and you will get back to yourself in time. My oxygen levels when I was walking were still dropping below 80 at times. Again, they should be up near the 90s to 100s for the normal healthy person and my heart rate was going a bit fast so they said they need to investigate it because I was two weeks past COVID so they couldn't say oh this is COVID related when it could be something different Mm -hmm. at the same time my family has huge cardiac issues anyways so they needed to investigate yes treat me as I have COVID but also investigate to make sure there's no underlying issues Mm -hmm. either way so they done all my bloods and everything was okay they done my chest x-ray they said um, there was no major consolidation in my lungs or anything. Yes, they could see that I had a recent infection, but I was coming around, if that makes sense to that. They re-swabbed me for COVID. They still weren't happy and they wanted to do further scans, which they couldn't do that late in the evening because they would be closed or would be priority for more serious patients. So they'd keep you in? Yes, I was put on treatment for clots straight away, a little injection into my tummy to keep my... Blood, blood pin, pin yeah. just in case. So then they don't need to get the scan so soon if I'm on the treatment anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then himself, my husband had to drop in my bag. He couldn't see me or anything. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Also considering that you rem- you remember that you didn't even kiss him goodbye. You yeah. You know what's going on. And then I could think, well, oh my God, if I do die, I never give him a kiss goodbye. Yeah. And I, did you, like, did you genuinely think I could die? Oh, 100%. Like, I... Like I was holding my chest when I was breathing. My heart was like thumping. I had never experienced. I would, if I was the nurse looking after me at that time, I would be very concerned for that patient. Right. Okay. That they didn't have a clot. They weren't going to just go into a heart attack mode. Yeah. You know, you're on standby all the time for something like that to happen. That's so scary considering you are a 28 year old healthy, healthy woman Yeah, with, with no, no issues. issues. No. I... Now, when I was in Tala, I felt 100% safe. The staff were fantastic. They never treated me like, if, let's say, like I had the plague. Yes, they never were they, like they keeping were, away from you. Yes, anything. they were in and out all the time. They were 
like within two hours, I had probably seen two doctors and like three nurses. Yeah. Which was very good. I know when I was working as a nurse, sometimes the patients that were query COVID only seen me for 12 hours. Once. What no, they would see me, I would be going in and out, but they would oh, only be interacting with me. With you, yes, They'd yeah. only see my little eyes. <laughs> God love them. Sorry, I'm laughing. I just have this image of your little eyes floating around. The amount of people that commented on my eyebrows for them times was something else. Um, but then I would said I have to be admitted. I needed an MRI of my heart. I needed an echo and I needed a CT of my lungs to make sure there was no clots. And what did all of those scans show? Everything came back clear. But the Did ca- your second COVID test come back clear? Yeah. Wow. So that I was swabbed on the Thursday and I think it came back, was it the Friday or Saturday? But they were still treating me like if I had it, I was in isolation. Yeah. I, I think I was in um, uh, my own single room for four or five days out of my tin nights there. And they were all gowned up coming in looking at me just in case. Yeah. Even though technically according to what everybody is saying that I'm not contagious after the two weeks. Yeah. Because I still had the active symptoms they were treating me as COVID. So they all come back here. What are the doctors saying? Is it like, are people just baffled by it because it's so new? Yes. So I had a lovely cardiologist over there and he said he's seeing this now in like the 25 to the 33 year olds that they're having long term issues like three, four weeks post their initial diagnosis. Right. So they don't know, will my heart or will my lungs be scarred? So like, will this be an ongoing thing? I'll be getting checkups anyway. Um, I'm due to meet my cardiologist in September, but about two or three weeks ago, I had a halter monitor fitted. So a heart monitor for 24 hours. I went to Shell, I picked it up and I went about my day as normal to see is there anything on it. And then at the end of this month, I have to go for a breathing test. So did you get the results of the halter monitor? No, I'll get the two of them when I see the cardiologist in September. Yeah. I have been advised by public health not to return to work until I do get the final all clear. Because if I go back to work and there is a strain on my heart, I could do more damage going back to work and it might be irreversible. Where now with this time off, it might somewhat heal itself and won't be so bad down the line. And have you been told how long you have immunity for or been tested for antibodies or anything like that? When I was in hospital back in June, they were saying that the research showed for approximately 12 weeks you were only immune for and then I can run the risk of picking it up again. So you're out of that time now, aren't you? Well, if I'm not, I'm coming very close to it. Right. Yes. And then they're saying if you get COVID the second time, you don't have as much symptoms. But it's but you transmit more? or Yes. You're more contagious? More contagious. You don't have symptoms, but it's still affecting your body internally, even though you mightn't have the symptoms. I've been hearing of people in their 20s and 30s now have scarred lungs. I have a colleague that just started on blood pre- or tablets to bring down her heart rate because she had COVID and it was running too fast all the time. It was running at dangerous levels. I've listened, I've read a lot as well about this thing. So um, the sequelae, which is the knock-on effects that having a virus, the things that you get after having a virus, various different things. Yes. And yeah, with COVID, people are having things like um, heart problems, different... Um, Falling over, like that they'll just spontaneously fall, balance issues. Um, and that while we thought at the start that COVID was a respiratory disease, now they're thinking that it's a neurovascular disease. Yes. That's why you're seeing people presenting with like COVID toe. Did you see any strange symptoms with people? Well, obviously you had people coming in with pains in their tummies and like 
symptoms that were not respiratory? Well, the people buying all the toilet roll initially were probably right <laughs> because a lot of people did have very bad <laughs> gastro problems. But that was, it was like if COVID is uh, mutilating itself every couple of weeks, there was different symptoms. You initially didn't have the loss of smell and taste. Oh, so like the virus is mutating yeah. constantly. That's what it seemed like. People just had a head cold. The first patient that we had in our hospital had come back, I believe, from a business trip from Germany with abdominal pain. This was back in mid-April. Right. That's the only thing. He had no history of anything. And although what we were treating him for, I don't even think we swabbed him at the time because abdominal pain wasn't a side effect or it wasn't a symptom at the time. Yeah, you couldn't get someone tested if they didn't have yes. some of the symptoms. Um, yeah. But that poor man ended up in an induced coma. Wow. Like, he was perfect for a couple of days, then he went downhill for a day or two, then he picked up again. And then obviously the doctors decided that, no, it's best that we put him in an induced coma, let his lungs and organs rest. Now, I think, thankfully, he did make 100% recovery. And how have you been feeling in the last few weeks? In about the last three weeks, I have been feeling somewhat myself. I'm still a little bit tired. I'm not, I don't really go out that often now, let's say. I am keeping to my house. I'm keeping to my family. I'm not really meeting up with friends or anything yet. Mm -hmm. Because I'm probably somewhat scared to take the next step to get back to normal life. Yeah. Um, But do my... Scared that you're not strong enough or scared that you'll contract the virus again? Both. Right. But mainly contract it again. How will it affect me the second time around? Because you say that like the last three weeks you're kind of back to yourself. But I wonder, are you like, if you did a 13, 14 hour shift now? Exactly. That's a serious exertion. Do you think you'd be able to Yeah, like I'm going from like doing nothing to straight back into it. And the hospitals is as busy as ever now again. So it would be, there'd be no let up on a shift. Yeah. When I do go back, I do hope to maybe do two days a week and take a couple of days annual leave. And is there any sort of... Um, structures in place for nurses who have had COVID who are coming back like do your colleagues who have contracted it are they back to work already? Some are some aren't Right and how are they finding it? They two of my colleagues said they went back two or three weeks too early Okay uh, One of the girls went back and she had to take like unpaid leave or annual leave the same week she went back because she was totally wiped Right okay. And you, you can't be wiped looking after patients. patients No And you don't want to keel over giving somebody a shower yeah. You know, you'll be give, doing dressings, you'll be doing medications, you need to be on your I mean, game. It's very intense work. Yes. And did you, um, do, do you know if there's COVID in your hospital currently? No, not that I heard of. Right. We're gone back to our norm pre-COVID. But you do always run the risk. So now anybody going for surgery has to come a day or two beforehand. And I think there's like a drive-through swapping service now mm-hmm. that within the 48 hours we have checked to see if you've had it or if it's in your system. So you're not going to operate on someone who has it or who has a positive test? Exactly, because it's too risky for the patient. When you put in the tubes to put people to sleep for surgery and they have COVID, you're pushing COVID further down the lungs. Okay. And I think that was copped on like the middle of May from studies in, was it Italy, that a lot of people were perfectly normal going for surgery and dying three or four days post-op for no reason. Except that the COVID had been pushed deeper yeah, into their lungs. but they hadn't checked to see if they had COVID kind of thing and once they were swabbed, they had COVID, if oh. that makes sense. So then we started swabbing all electives That's to protect kind of our patients.
I want to talk to you about ketchup for a second. Yeah, like actual tomato sauce. So you might remember that the old ketchup bottles were glass bottles, right? And then you couldn't like stick a spoon in, you couldn't stick a fork in, so you'd end up having to shake it out, hit the side of it, and then the tomato went everywhere and it looked like blood. And then all of a sudden the plastic bottles came along. Well, the plastic bottles didn't just come along out of nowhere. They came along because of UX design. Now, it wasn't called UX research back then, but in the 80s, researchers went and they watched families using ketchup and they noticed that it was mainly the kids who wanted to eat the ketchup. But because the bottles were so difficult to use, the parents had to put it on their plate for them. So they came up with the plastic bottle idea so that kids could squeeze their own ketchup without it going all over their plates. Today, UX designers and research carry out that kind of research every day when building apps and websites and software. They identify and fix problems that make the experience of using the app or the website or the software just simpler, like swapping an awkward glass ketchup bottle for an easy to use squeezy one. If you found that interesting, you might want to look into the UX Design Institute, today's sponsor on this podcast. The UX Design Institute deliver university credit rated online courses in UX design. So if you're considering a career change or you want to find out more about UX design, visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash basically. Once upon a time. Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week we breathe new life into old stories from folklore and mythology, from the mysterious landing of the old Celtic gods to the epic wars fought by Cúchulainn and Queen Maeve, right down to the petty squabbles between headstrong mortals and roguish fairies. We already have a huge collection available with a new episode every Wednesday. This is not just a podcast for folklore fiends, but for anyone who enjoys a good story. And who doesn't love a good story? My name is Kevin C. Olhan, and I am your host and your fireside bard. Wherever you are in the world, you can always join me by the fireside. Okay, so just going back for a second. When you were in the hospital and the doctor was telling you what he's seeing with young patients your age... Did he give you any advice as to like how this might go or what you were meant to do or? No, they really didn't have much of an idea. He had said in the last three or four weeks previous to me that they're seeing this more regular. And he said more than likely all your tests will come back clear, but we need to investigate just in case. But how can your tests come back clear if you have this racing heart rate and you have like, why is your heart racing? They said it was still the COVID virus was in me and it was just working its way out. So it's almost like if it latched on that little bit stronger to me than maybe somebody else and didn't want to leave my system. But the but the tests can't pick it up? Yeah. I had no clots. I had no infection or inflammation around my heart. Yes, they could see in my lungs that I had an infection, which was the COVID infection. But at the same time, they read on the swab and I was COVID negative. The okay. second time around. But they still treated me as if I was positive. And how did you feel when you were getting out of the hospital then? Was it the relief that you were looking for or were you still a bit unsatisfied with your diagnosis? Well, prognosis? the 10 days I was in there, I had improved massively. Like when I was in there initially, I could, I physically couldn't have a shower or wash my hair. I yeah. was completely wiped. Um, but coming out, I did feel much 
stronger. And I knew that I would recuperate better in my own bed at home, in my own surroundings. So I was thankful to get home, but I still had no answers. But at the same time, it's good not to have answers because you don't want to find anything yes. there, if that makes sense. So in that sense, kind of no news is good news. Yeah, but it's still annoying to see. Like I, My heart will still race every now and again for no reason. I literally get up and I walk from point A to point B and I'm going 90 again. And do you have to sit back down at this point or do you, does it kind of calm itself now if you just slow your pace? It calms after a minute or two by itself. And so how are you feeling about the future and going back to work and the future of the virus? And I'm looking forward to going back to work. I miss all my colleagues and I miss working as a nurse, you know. Yeah. I absolutely love it to bits and that will never change even though that's where I got the virus. That's the joys of the job. I look forward to the day I can go back, but I won't rush back. I need to be 100% knowing that there's nothing wrong with me or my organs before I go back, if that makes sense. So the numbers are rising in the hospitals and, you know, it, there's no PPE and it's really stressful. What was the actual hardest part about being a frontline worker during a pandemic? The hardest part was definitely not seeing my family. Yeah, you're a real family person. Yes, I have quite a big family and sadly we had recently lost my father. So I hadn't seen my brothers or sisters for the guts of five months. I had seen them on his month's mind mass right, yeah, and I hadn't seen them again until mid-July or mid-June when we could travel west again. So not seeing my family was definitely the main thing. They must have been so worried about you to know that you were going through all... Were you telling them? Were you updating them like, I'm in Tala now, I have this heart? Or were you kind of protecting them from it? I wasn't going... I didn't initially tell them until they said I was staying staying. in. Yeah. Or I wouldn't... I Obviously, I don't talk about work to them really, but they were fearful of me being always on the front line. I was looking after COVID patients on a weekly basis. How did they react when you told them you were positive? They were all stunned. Safe to say I got a good few phone calls in the next two days to that. But would I go back and do it all again? Yes, I would. I continue to look after all them COVID patients. Somebody has to look after them. Like, we have a duty of care. They have the right to be treated 100%. That's just the joys. But I would definitely, if I had to get COVID again, I would. To know that all my patients were safe at the time and well looked after, hopefully pain-free, and had the crack. You know, if you make your patient smile... That's a job well done, no matter how sick they are. You're incredible. <laughs> My pal. Oh yeah, that's the crack then. Well, I'm sure that the listeners will be actually quite interested in seeing how that Holter Monitor result comes. Yeah. So you can text me and I will let them know. <laughs> Hopefully w- I'll be okay. I won't say your name, but thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I wish you, well, I mean, I wish you all the best, but that sounds very formal to say to your friend, but I hope you're all right. Thanks very much and thanks thank- for having me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. As ever, we are mixed by Alan Bennett and our graphic is by Kahlo Gara and our music is by Only Ruin. If you enjoyed this episode, please can you just tell one other person about it? Share it on your Instagram stories or just let me know if you enjoyed it, what you thought about it. Thank you very much. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.